फ्रॉम इंडियाज लार्जेस्ट न्यूज रूम आई मारून जॉर्ज एंड दिस इज द टाइम्स ऑफ इंडिया पॉडकास्ट In 2019 the Narendra Modi government passed a constitutional amendment bill that reserved 10% of seats in the open category in central government funded educational institutions and government jobs unlike previous quotas this one was not on the basis of caste instead it was on the basis of an applicant's economic status सामान्य वर्ग के गरीब लोगों को 10 फीसदी आरक्षण दिए जाने वाला बिल राज्यसभा में भी पारित हो गया है कई घंटे चली चर्चा के बाद रात में हुई वोटिंग में बिल पास हो गया सुप्रीम कोर्ट ऑन मंडे नवम्बर a majority that is 3 judges out of a 5 judge bench upheld the quota and said it didn't violate the constitution however the two judges who disagreed and that included former chief justice u u lalit said that the policy as it stood was discriminatory all the judges also said that the country's existing reservation policy needed to be reexamined since the verdict some political parties have welcomed the judgment while others have promised to challenge it The verdict comes at a time when multiple caste groups like the Marathas in Maharashtra and the Patidars in Gujarat are demanding similar quotas. There's also the argument that this criteria to get the quota is too wide and really doesn't benefit the poor. There's also the argument that such reservations to counter caste-based disadvantages affect merit in educational institutions. To understand these issues better in light of this verdict, we spoke with Times of India senior editor Shankar Raghuraman. Shankar's of the view that the 10% quota won't really benefit the poor since the filter isn't fine enough. He also counters the notion that reservations affect merit. We also discuss the future of reservations in light of this quota. Shankar started by explaining how India's reservation policy was put in place. So basically when the constitution was framed in 1950 uh our founding fathers as it were they recognize the fact that certain segments of our society have been historically disadvantaged and therefore the state need to do something to level the playing field for them right so the constitution basically mandated reservations for scheduled castes and scheduled tribes that is dalits and tribals and said that uh, the reservation has to be in proportion to their share of the population it also left an enabling provision saying that other backward classes can also be similarly dealt with if the government so feels so till the 80s what you had was basically a reservation for scheduled castes and scheduled tribes with the proportion of reservation changing depending on what the census showed as their share in the population the mandal commission was already pretty old but no government had acted on it and when the vpc government came into power in 1989 they decided to implement the mandal commission so for the first time that provision on other backward classes was used and they reserved uh seats for 
educational establishments and uh, in jobs for what were identified as the obc now subsequently some people went to court saying that with reservations going up like this there's no room left for merit etc so the supreme court heard that in what's called the indra sani case and they imposed a ceiling saying that reservations cannot cross 50% of the total in 2019 the current government decided to add another layer of reservations which is the 10% quota for the economically weaker section ews uh, like you said you know the supreme court limited the number to 50% what's the logic of 50% why why not more if say the constituents of these communities amount to more well they actually do amount to more but one of the things was that there was no uh, established study on exactly what proportion of the population is obc and that still hasn't been established till date though anecdotally you will hear that it's about 40% 45% whatever it varies from state to state but there was no scientific basis for saying this is the proportion unlike with the scs and the sts but the more important consideration in the supreme court judgment not necessarily something i agree with was that merit quote unquote merit cannot be completely done away with so that's why they said not more than half the seats this notion that uh, reservations have eroded merit it's been around since the late 80s it continues to this day is there anything to establish that in any way no there are two two things here one if you look at states which have had reservations for the longest time and have had significantly more reservations than anybody else in general uh, karnataka tamil nadu maharashtra etc have had historically more reservation than others do these sound to you like backward states or do they sound like a list of uh, you know the relatively developed states in india so clearly if reservations were eroding merit these states should have gone down the tube by now after many many decades of continued reservation that hasn't happened secondly it is very ironic that people who cry themselves hoarse about merit being compromised by reservation don't have a word to say on merit being compromised by the commercialization of education these same people who will lead protests against quotas will happily pay through their nose to get their sons and daughters seats in a medical college knowing fully well that people who have scored much higher marks in neat cannot afford them so don't they see an erosion of merit over there so this whole debate about merit is a very loaded partisan debate many of those who do buy those private seats would also argue that they are forced to because they don't have a seat in a government college that's completely inaccessible to them now this again is a somewhat strange notion because if you look at the actual facts practically all of the 50% which is quote unquote open or merit quota goes to these sections what proportion of the population do they const- constitute they constitute clearly a much smaller proportion of the population if you believe the say 45% obc figure then they are somewhere around 
25-30% of the population. But they're getting more than 50% of the seats. So who's actually getting denied access? The 70% of the population which has to be accommodated within the 50% or the 30% which is getting 50%. So you're basically saying that the people who believe that merit is being eroded are actually occupying more space than their share of the population. So now you have the economically weaker section reservation that comes in in 2019. That's a 10% quota. And that for some reason does not include anybody who already has reservations. What's the logic behind that? Well, the government's logic is that if you are a Dalit or a tribal or an OBC, you are already part of another quota. But to me, that logic is very, very problematic. Because what it essentially says is that you have to choose one kind of deprivation to be compensated for. But the reality is that many segments are suffering multiple deprivations. So if I'm a tribal woman living in a rural India, so I'm suffering a deprivation on the axis of gender, on the axis of community, on the axis of rural urban and of being poor, all of those. To say that only one of these should count doesn't make any sense to me. Another issue that's been argued and a lot of what you're saying has been argued in the Supreme Court is that uh, the basically the conditions for the qualification under EWS is also faulty. It's something you've written about as well. Could you explain why this norm of say 8 lakh income and a certain amount of property amounts as EWS? So let's take each of the criteria in turn. Okay. So the first, the single biggest criteria is family income of not more than 8 lakhs per annum. Now you translate that into what that means. That means a per person per month income of about 13,000 rupees. Right? Mm -hmm. Roughly. There are various data points one can look at to see how this measures up at what level of the population do you get to this level. Now you look at uh, NSSO, National Sample Survey Organization data on where would a family of an income of 8 lakhs fit in, in in the economic ladder. So the latest data available shows that in rural areas, the top 5%, the average income of the top 5% is 2,625 per month per person. And in urban areas, that is 6,115 per month. So well below the 13,000 that we are talking about and this is mind you is only the top 5%. So effectively the 8 lakh income ceiling includes 95% of India's population within it. Similarly you look at the second criterion which is land holding. So anybody who has 5 acres or more of land is not eligible for the quota. How many people do have that kind of land? The agricultural census shows that 86.4% I think, 86.2% have under 5 acres of land. So again, the overwhelming majority of Indian land-owning families get included under this quota. Then you have the third criteria, which is that the size of the house should not be over 1000 square feet. Again, if you look at 
the NSSO report on housing conditions, what it shows is that the top 20%, the average size of the house is 500 square feet. This is twice the average for even the top 20%. Once again, 80 to 90% of the population will get included. You look at income tax data, it leads you to a similar conclusion. 2018-19, uh, which is the base year on which this would have applied, there were 28 million Indians who declared an income of over 4 lakh. Now, 4 lakh is half of 8 lakh. So, assume that there are even 2 per household, very unrealistic assumption, but make that assumption, there can at best be 14 million or 1.4 crore people with 8 lakhs. What is that? That is 1% of a population 140 crore. So, whichever way you look at it, basically what it means is that these criteria include almost everybody under them. So, in what sense are you defining the poor? The per capita income in India, in again in 2019-20, was 1.3 lakh, which for a family of five translates to 6.5 lakh, lakhs per annum. So, 8 lakhs is well above the average income of an Indian. Then in what sense are you defining poor? A state like Kerala has done is they've reduced that criteria. They've said the income has to be much lower than 8 lakh. The property holding has to be less. Is that the solution to it? I would not say that in itself is the solution. But it is part of the solution. I mean, clearly you need a better definition of poor. To an extent, it will also depend on what proportion of the population you intend to cover. If you are saying, I will have a 10% quota for poor, then ideally you should be covering 10% of the population, the lowest 10% of the population. Or at best, you might argue that, you know, if I restrict it only to the lowest 10%, I will not get enough candidates. So let me make that 20%. Fine. So then you should fix the cutoff at where the bottom 20% income is. That is as far as the uh, criterion but that's only one part of the problem. The other part of the problem was that you are excluding most of the poor by saying that you are already getting a quota under SC or ST or OBC. So why should you get any benefit for being poor? But if you are upper caste and poor, wouldn't this then say benefit you? Yes, in some sense. Remember, there is a creamy layer principle for OBCs which is again very similar, 8 lakhs per annum, though there are some minor differences, but it is very similar. And there is this principle here of 8 lakh ceiling. So you are saying, I will protect the poor upper caste and the poor OBC from competition from the richest sections of their own communities. However, when it comes to Dalits and uh, tribals, I will not give any such protection. Now, isn't that really anomalous that the most badly off sections actually are denied a protection which the others are given? How do you get, say, the economically weaker sections to get reservation in government jobs and education? Is there a method that we know of can, that can work in this case? You have to first determine what proportion of the population will you treat as poor, right? Will you say the poorest 
in that case it's quite obvious where you should fix the your target audience will determine where the cut off should be and you have to include all poor people in this not just those from the upper caste so then what happens now as in how, how do you see this playing out where you have an additional 10% quota what results could we be seeing now you have to ask yourself the question why were the others excluded right and one possible answer is that because politically it was important to signal to the upper caste large sections of which have historically been uh, very angsty about reservations that we are in some sense undoing the what you see as the negatives of reservation by giving you also a quota and that is why it was important if that politically if that is the signal that you want to send out then it is also important that it doesn't remain restricted only to the very poor in the upper caste but actually makes pretty much everybody in the upper caste happy one other thing that came up and it's an often cited argument is that reservations were meant to be for a certain amount of time and then it was to be withdrawn but it has continued and it still continues uh do we know what extent the reservations have worked and helped say raise certain communities out of levels of poverty that they were in for decades firstly the notion that because when the constitution was framed they said reservations should apply for a certain number of years therefore they should automatically go first that was never the idea it was never the idea that they would automatically go but yes at that point people felt that over a reasonable length of time the reservations would achieve a level playing field and then you won't require any such thing anymore but whether reservations should continue or not cannot be determined by some a priori assumption about what would happen it has to be determined by what is the reality on the ground so if you look at the reality on the ground it is still true that the sections for which reservation was provided continue to remain significantly worse off than the general or upper caste so as long as that is true you have to have some mechanism for leveling the playing field is reservation the only way that can be done perhaps not but unless you can provide a superior mechanism to it to talk about getting rid of this would be grossly unfair on them and uh, in terms of financial support mechanisms like scholarships and others that were also suggested as mechanisms to help those who are economically backward rather than have a reservation for them do we know if that works you'll have to try it out to know but the thing is ki when you're talking about financial support you're talking about financial support to somebody who's already got into the system right but what the real question is how do i get into the system if i am poor for instance i cannot afford to go to kota and get a you know coached in giving jai or neat or whatever so i am severely handicapped in many ways the merit of the rich person to a large extent is determined by these things by the fact that you have had a quality school education by the fact that you can afford private coaching and all of those things how do i level the playing field for that giving you a scholarship once you have joined 
is not enough i have to first enable you to join across states now we've seen uh, groups like the patidars the marathas seek reservations and that would fit in with this model right where you give a certain group a reservation so that they are also taken care of in some senses and they are not left behind is that the future that we can expect to see where each group now seeks its own reservations see the reason why you have these demands ultimately you have to think about if the size of the pie is not expanding fast enough for everybody to get a reasonable share of the pie then there will be a fight over who gets how much right so if you had actually developed the way you had hoped you would and if jobs were not an issue if access to quality education was not an issue then this won't be happening see the whole problem of how to share out something only occurs when there is scarcity of that thing right whether it is education or jobs so the obvious solution the end to this fractious politics is to get rid of that problem in the first place i mean to make sure that there is enough to go around and have we been doing that clearly not and the irony is that the demands for reservations are increasing at a time when jobs in government are unlike in the past not expanding at a rapid rate very often are shrinking and because so many of government jobs have got you know contracted out as outsourced and so on and the same is happening in education as well more and more of higher education is in private hands i mean whether it's medicine or engineering 30 40 years back how many private medical colleges were there how many private engineering colleges were there how many private management colleges were there but today that's no longer the case in some sense you can understand why that's happening because the access to quality education in the private sector is out of the reach of all but a you know a very thin slice at the top everybody else is fighting for whatever limited uh, government education is available it's now become a political slugfest of sorts where you have some parties welcoming some don't do political parties ever roll back a reservation have we ever seen an instance of that uh, no <laughs> we haven't the short answer is no and one doesn't see a situation in the foreseeable future where that is likely so in effect we are more likely to see additional quotas than less ones yes certainly okay and uh, what does this quota and future quotas mean for reservations in the country now that we've sort of breached that 50 mark barrier do we now see further additions how do you see this proceeding see that 50% question is still not a uh, settled question there is a separate constitution bench hearing precisely this 50% question so a lot will also depend on what they say can the 50% never be breached if it can be breached under what circumstances can be breached and so on and so forth but yes till that happens clearly this will uh, fuel the demand for more and more quotas to 
Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunay Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at typodcast at timesinternet.in.